Mother's Day is it's not a formal religious holiday, but it is one of those important cultural days that we always make time to uh, spend time on reflecting. Because we often come to church looking for inspirational words on what is the meaning of this love that we share. We gather wanting to be affirmed for the hard work we have done raising our families. We want to feel good about the life that we have shared together. We come together hoping that the love of our mothers has somehow come close to showing us the love of God. And then on a day like this, the minister decides that, well, we're going to read that passage from the book of Acts and where the apostle Stephen is murdered by an angry crowd. What a killjoy. I do confess this is not the most warm and fuzzy of scriptures to be chosen for today. But I think it's important that Stephen does get included on a good day like this because he shows us what the love of God looks like even on the worst of all possible days. Now, the Apostle Stephen has been accused of blasphemy. He's been brought before the high priest and put on trial for his religious beliefs. And if you back up in that uh, reading from Acts, you'll see that he gives a great defense of the gospel message. But it is such a powerful one that the people who hear it don't want to hear the message. It actually makes them so mad that they are, and they're so offended that they take Stephen outside the city gates and they pick up their rocks and start throwing them at him. The crime of being unfaithful to God was considered so atrocious and so serious that death by stoning was the usual punishment. These are not little pebbles. We're talking like serious rocks. And it's a bloody way to die, a painful way. And as those rocks start to fly at his head, Stephen kneels down and prays to God. And his final words are, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. In the face of such violent hatred, Stephen's words remarkably are full of forgiveness and love. He doesn't condemn his attackers. Instead, he's mindful of Jesus' final words from the cross. Like Jesus in his moment of agony, Stephen asked for the gift of forgiveness for those who were murdering him. Stephen shows us what the love of God looks like, even in the worst of all possible situations. It's easy to hear words that are spoken about love. But we all know that words can often be empty if they're not backed up with actions that are consistent with those words. When you show by your deeds what love is like, only then can people really hear what you are saying. There's a jazz musician and teacher by the name of Victor Wooten. He's part of a group known as Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. If you're into jazz, you'll know who I'm talking about. If you don't, just imagine a bluegrass banjo player playing experimental jazz with one of the most brilliant uh, bass players in the world. It is as wild and bizarre and as wonderful as that sounds. And Victor Wooten is a genius when it comes to sharing the gift of music. And then he actually wrote a book called The Music Lesson, where he shares his philosophy of what is music and what does it mean for us to share in music being played in us. And Victor Wooten says that a teacher can only show you something. It's up to you to choose whether you hear what they are showing you. It's up to you to choose, do I learn what my teacher is showing? The teacher can't teach you anything. 
All they can do is show you. It's up to you. Do I hear it? Do I listen to it? Do I take it to heart? So, love is the challenge for today. We know the words. We've been, do we learn the examples? Do we share the examples? Do we live those words out? Now, Mother's Day for us is that celebration of the love that we've shared for my mothers. For many of us, it was a great love. For some people, it was an absolute disaster. So there's lessons to be learned on the positive and, sadly, from the negative as well as to what real love is supposed to be about. Because, so that's why on a day like today, we take the effort to show by words and by our deeds our gratitude for a love. And when you think about it, that love, especially at the beginning, was given without words. All there was, was actions. I've seen this very much over the last two years. My granddaughter, Evelyn, is now 21 months old. And every day, Evelyn is learning new activities. She's learning new words. And a lot of that learning is because her mother, Melissa, has been patiently showing her every day these new things. Little Evelyn is slowly starting to understand the words that her mother and her father are using with her every single day. But when you watch, she's really just learning by copying. She's imitating what she sees her mother showing her how to do. But then you'll see, notice, suddenly the copying has switched into understanding because she now knows what it is she's doing and why she's doing it. Like, at 21 months old, she cannot read. But she'll walk over to the bookshelf, she'll pick up a book and start turning the pages and she'll be babbling. She's very obviously telling the story that she knows is in that book. She's learned by the deeds. Now, it's been a real blessing to see the bond of love that has grown up as a result of all of these actions between them. Now, my son is also very active in the parenting as well, which makes me very happy. But I do have to admit, the bond between Evelyn and her mother is different than the bond with her father, even though the father is there all the time. There is something beautiful about that bond of love that is truly based on actions and not just words. And that's the goal of love. It's a bond of trust based on actions. And we all know that you know, the words are supposed to reflect those actions. Because every one of us, we try to show what we believe by the way we act towards each other. Think about it. If you meet a stranger, the way you treat that stranger reflects, are you full of fear or full of trust? Your words and your actions will reflect that reality. The way you act towards someone who's hurting is going to reveal, are you full of compassion or are you full of judgment? The way we act in uncertain times reveals, are we full of hope or are we full of despair? The way we act reflects what we truly believe. And so the way we act reveals whether or not we understand the words that our teachers have been sharing with us. Now, Jesus is our teacher, and we know that he has shared with us the importance of showing our love. But we don't always get the lesson, do we? We often let fear in. We often let judgment and despair and even hate creep in to our actions. Now, we often will try and 
choose words that will carefully hide that. But oftentimes our actions will reveal what is what we're really feeling. And I think one of the most obvious examples that's present in the church today is found in expression. The expression says, love the sinner, but hate the sin. You've heard that, right? Love the sinner, but hate the sin. We've all heard it. We all know someone who says it. We all know someone who does it. The problem is, we're all sinners, aren't we? All of us are imperfect, aren't we? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us is sinless. But we don't use that phrase to describe ourselves, do we? We don't use this phrase to judge our friends. This phrase, it's like it's being used to attack people we don't like. It's reserved for people almost exclusively that we disapprove of. And most specifically, it's used against members of the LGBTQ community for some reason. The Christian church doesn't have a good track record here. The Christian church often speaks of the gays as if we're speaking of those savages that we were trying to save in previous generations. We treat them as if they're less than human. We treat them the same way we treated Canada's indigenous population. We ship them off to residential schools in order to tame and colonize them and get the native out of them. It's a condescending kind of love that uses that statement. It treats LGBTQ people as if they're defective in the eyes of God. I was reading an interesting blog post by a gentleman called Micah Murray, and he points out that our actions result in us turning our backs on our gay brothers and sisters who are already in the church. They're already following Jesus just like us. He says our us versus them narrative doesn't leave a lot of space. These people didn't choose to be gay, but they did choose to be Christian. They did choose to follow Jesus. So to speak of loving the sinner but hating the sin, I have to say, doesn't work. There's no love behind it. All they see is hate in everything you say and do. And as a result of this self-justified hatred, the Christian church today is known more for showing its bigotry than it is for showing its love. And that's a scary place for us. We're supposed to be about showing love. But when they look at us, they say all they see is hate. And that's not what our teacher was trying to show us. And that's why we keep referring back to the words of our teacher, Jesus. This morning, he's giving us words of encouragement in uncertain times. When we don't know what to do. He says, don't let your hearts be too troubled about this. You trust God, don't you? You can trust me. He's saying there's plenty of room for all of you in God's love. He's telling his disciples that this way of life that's worth pursuing is the same way of life that he's been living with them all these years. They've seen it. They've shared in it. The truth that he is sharing is that same truth that he has been living out every single day in every little detail. And the life, the life that is worth living is the life they've already been sharing with him and so he says, we've lived it. The way, the truth, and the life, we've lived it. And it's based on this gift of love. As that music teacher, Victor Wooten, says, a teacher can only show you what you need to know. You have to decide whether or not you're going to learn what they're showing. Now, 
Jesus gives this wonderful pep talk, this reminder of what is important, this way, this truth, this life that's worth living. But the disciple Philip, well, he hasn't learned what Jesus is showing yet. Philip responds to Jesus' beautiful words about the way and the truth and the life by simply saying, I don't get it. I don't understand. Philip says, just show me this Abba, Father kind of love that you keep talking about and I'll be happy. He just doesn't get it. Now, thankfully, Jesus is a really good teacher, a very patient teacher. After three years of not getting it, you think he would give Philip an F, but not Jesus. He reminds Philip of all the things he has seen Jesus say and do over their time together. He says, if you've seen me do anything, that's what God does. If you've heard me say anything, that, I meant it. That's what God is all about. If you've seen me in action, you have been shown what God is all about, what God is like. And then Jesus says that there's even more to God than what they have seen. There is, and Jesus fully expects his disciples to do more at showing God to others than what he has done. That's the remarkable thing. He says, you haven't seen it all yet, and you guys are going to do even more of it than me. He's got some real trust in his students to go out and show the difference. Jesus tells them that when they trust in God's way, people are going to see God at work in them. He fully expects his disciples to go and do that in a way that shows the truth of what God is like in every single moment of their lives. Jesus believes that when we have the life that is worth living, God will do even greater things with us. And the greatest work that we can do in God's name is to love one another the way he has loved us. The greatest work we can do in Jesus' name is to love everyone the way he continues to love us all. Amen. Amen.